0: Say goodbye to restrictive weight loss methods and hello to iVeam, the number one prescriber of GLP-1 medications. GLP-1s curb cravings, stabilize blood sugar, increase energy, and balance A1C levels to regulate your body and kickstart your weight loss journey. iVeam is committed to making medical weight loss accessible, affordable, and customized because we believe that's how it should be. Sign up for free and get 20% off our accessibility programs. Welcome, welcome to the Blessed Podcast. (laughs) Today,
1: dearly beloved, speaking to (laughs) dearly beloved, (laughs) we gather here today. If you're if you're watching us on the YouTube's, you will see that I look a little crazy because one of our listeners sent us some new audio equipment, which is awesome, so that we could update our sound. You know, because we've been scrappy as hell. You know, and now. And now we're a little fancy. We're a little fancy. We're growing, like, we're growing a lot <laughs> really fast. <laughs> it's getting kind yes, of crazy. Indeed. Yeah. Um, in a good way. We want to help more people do more things. That is the goal. Now, of course, I'm talking to you as if you know me, but you may not. Uh, so my name is Kim Carlos and this is the Plus Size Podcast Yay. and this is Kat and Janine and we're going to go into it in a little bit, but if it's the first time that you've come here, a little bit about where this came from. So the Plus Sides Podcast was born out of a TikTok community that focuses on basically treating obesity and related diseases as a disease medically with medicine. I know it's crazy to think but it's true. <laughs> so this is <laughs> taking a lot of getting used to this whole mic. <laughs> anyway, so, oh, but it is, that's what we know. So we talk about things like um, GLP-1s. So like Manjaro, Ozempic, Wegovy, Saxena, Victoza, and these different medications and how they treat these diseases and how people are on basically an insulin resistant spectrum and why these medications work. And we bring on a lot of doctors to help us, um, you know, really, understand why these things are are treating you know these issues we've had for a long time and why we're able to get our lives back. Uh, and today is a very special episode because we have three doctors with us, um, obesity specialists, which is awesome. And we're going to talk about the disease of obesity. We're going to talk about these medications. And the biggest thing we're going to talk about is what is GLP-1 do, do, compounding? Do, do. Yes, because we know do, do, do. that that is a very big Issue in our community outside of our community, right, is not understanding compound medications, and energy. a lot of people, yeah, yeah, you are. Can you guys hear me Because Like, I'm. That's I know. Singing the song. That's we why. said you hear it me? at
2: the same time. We were like,
1: oh, right on cue. It's like controversy, controversy,
3: controversy. <laughs> it's like, dun 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. Uh, anyway oh my Uh,
1: gosh mm -hmm. what am I gonna do with you guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, it is very controversial (laughs) excellent point it's an excellent point yeah because a lot of people don't know about compounding what it is what it means all the things all the five w's um and sometimes how or why or whatever it is (laughs) you know so we're going to talk about that today because um And I think the girls will agree with me. We are definitely in our community seeing us in a crisis. A lot of people have taken this medication, have seen it change their lives. And because of savings cards and the affordability and accessibility, like with shortages of this medication, people don't want to get sick again you know, or go back to the way they were and have their disease continue to progress. Um, And so they need access to medications and they have diseases and disorders and they should have that with doctor oversight. And we need to talk about what that is because there are a lot of scams out there. There are a lot of unsafe compounding, things that you don't want to do in best practices. And we need to know what that is. And so we've got some doctors that are willing to come forward and say, hey, listen, we're going to put our stake in the ground. And we're going to tell you what equals safe, what equals sketch. Like we need to know these things because this gray area is just not okay. Because we're talking about lives here. We're talking about lives. So that's what we're going to do today. Now that I just like laid some heavy shit on (laughs) you. Sorry for little ears. Let's go talk about Janine. Hey Janine, what's up? How'd you do? Hey, how are you? Do your intro, do your intro. What's up? <laughs>
2: oh well, uh, hey! I am the JNT. I'm Janine.
1: Uh yes,
2: the because the world can only take one. The world oh, can nice. only take one of me. But uh, I am currently on Mount Jaro, and I just crossed my six month anniversary of being Huzzah. on Mount Jaro. I can't believe it. Yay! Uh, And I'm a type 2 diabetic, as well as I have an autoimmune disease, uh, Sjogren's syndrome. So, and I suffer from, and I still suffer from obesity. It's just being treated now, as well as my type 2 diabetes. And as an adipotence, we didn't even realize that Mount Jaro would be treated, would help with the side effects of Sjogren's syndrome. So, that's me. And I'm I'm a flight attendant too. So I fly around that's the right. world. That's yeah. right.
1: And next time you got, really <sighs> got to bring your Delta Barbie. That's that's a rule. Gotta have the Delta Barbie. Barbie. Every time we talk about this, it's like you're scared to go I, in your basement. I'm so confused.
2: I, I n- no, but but I mean, you know, Delta Barbie <laughs> is like so so precious. And oh I'll God. bring my other Barbies because you all know that I'm like <laughs> utterly obsessed with Barbie. Utterly.
1: Janine, I want Delta Barbie. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I digress.
0: <laughs> I want to see her so Delta bad Barbie. she has two.
1: I'll
0: bring Delta Barbie.
1: <laughs> okay. That's Thank
3: you. Yeah. That makes me think inventory. Like, I don't have Barbies, but I have Funko Pop dolls. I'm going to get my husband, Sanford and son, Fred Sanford and Lamont. I'll bring them out.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not cool. even following so much, but you know, it it might
3: be good. <laughs> Janine, so. yeah, you you listen. I'm an I guess I'm an elder Gen Zer, but you're my dad used to watch Sanford and Son every every night when we got home from work. So anyway, you listen, Kat.
1: Okay, you're older than me. You're a solid X.
3: <laughs> I am. I must Sanford be an elder Gen Son. Xer.
2: Sanford's
3: was
1: fun. a
2: staple though. Sanford and Son was a staple. I never really watched it until I got older. I didn't watch
1: Cooley High until
3: like ten years ago.
1: Don't mm-hmm. judge
3: me. No.
4: Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, I'm I really into the
3: Funko Pop dolls, and yeah, my husband spent. I bought. All right, got well, I'm going to have to see it. Get, you have okay yeah.
1: doll but time I, with the plus sides. It's happening on the next episode. Mm-hmm. Please show up. It'll be big yeah. deal. Episode twenty. And
3: it, I, just, I don't know I who's just coming on say, yet. My husband spent extra money to find Lamont. You could not find Lamont, but I got (laughs) Fred Sanford. And Lamont is very hard to find. Lamont is Fred Sanford's son in the in the TV show. Anyway, right? Okay, okay. As we used to say in the '90s, make it a blockbuster night, Kim. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs)
1: I miss block, Blockbuster.
2: Block, I do.
3: Blockbuster
2: was the move on Friday nights. Like yeah. it was like yeah. Club Blockbuster because yeah. if you yeah. were cool and you had a block, if your family had a blockbuster membership,
1: yeah. you could tell me. me if you were cool. I don't know if, if you, you were so even cool. cool back then, though,
3: JT. I don't know. <laughs> I need to go find it. <laughs> Look. But anyway, all right, all right. do I want to All right, we've got it. Yes. 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 Very we do. We have some, some great professionals waiting on us. Hi, I'm oh Kat. God, I'm Kat, Kat, yep. Carter, Kat, Kat Carter at Kat Carter7 on TikTok. Um Kim, you mentioned butt this at the with beginning. Kat. <laughs> butt stuff. I have not done it yet this week, but just you wait. Um, yeah. um <laughs> butt stuff with cat. Anyway, listen, I have the ADD real strong. So um, <laughs> but Kim mentioned, hey, thank you for the for the the followers, our listeners. And yes, we want to thank I just want to take a moment to thank Everybody, everybody, all these, these ladies here, I'm doing it yes, up here. Dearly beloved. Um, and all, dearly beloved, <laughs> and also all the, you know, the doctors, professionals, experts, mm-hmm. uh, our community members, everybody that comes to the show, yes. Um, we would not have a show. We would not have a podcast. We would not mm-hmm. be exciting if yes. it weren't for them. So Yes,
1: yes, absolutely. It's community driven. That is for sure. Thank okay. For so yes, thank you to the community. And this is a service for the community. Yes, by the community. So this is great. Okay, cool. So we're going to move on. So as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about compound today. So I'm going to invite in our special guests. Okay. Everybody hang tight. We're going to go one at a time. Bam. There's one. There's one. (laughs) Bam. Bam. There's two. It's Dr. Dr. Rosen. Rosen! Bam. There's three. Dr. Adam Ripley. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to our scrappy podcast. How are you guys? (laughs)
4: Good.
1: Good. Good. Well, we're going to definitely do a panel today, but it's meant to be an open discussion. Um, we want to learn. Uh, the girls and I want to learn. And I know our community mm-hmm. is just starving for knowledge on this area. So anything we can do to help guide people would be really great. So if we ask a question, you guys want to jump in. You have a differing p- opinion. That's great. Honestly, different perspectives here are really important because people need as much information as possible from different points of view right? So they can make an educated decision, especially about something that has to do with their lives. Okay. So uh, we'll get started, but I would like to kind of do a round robin so you guys can introduce yourself for those that maybe don't follow you or don't know you. Um, so um, how about we just start from here over? So we'll say, Hey, Dr. Myra, <laughs> Dr. Myra, tell us all sure. about you.
4: It's nice to meet you guys again. Um, <laughs> of course. live. I was on here a couple months ago, but thanks for bringing me back. Um, yeah, I run Joy Mochi, um, which is telehealth obesity medicine practice. So.
1: Yes. Great! So okay. excited to have you and Dr. Rosen <laughs> tell us about you.
5: So great to be back with you, ladies. Yeah. Um, I am Dr. Daniel Rosen. I am a bariatric surgeon. I've helped been helping people manage and control their obesity and diabetes for almost twenty years now. Believe it or not, oh, um, and just wow. real happy to be here.
1: Yeah, we're excited to have yeah. you. Thank you, yes, Dr. Thank you. Ripley. Tell us about you. Yeah, <laughs> New plus for, you haven't been yeah, here yet. No, nope, I haven't been Welcome here. Thanks. The for the, <laughs> yeah,
6: Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dr. Adam Ripley, I'm a PharmD uh, pharmacist with Aquita Pharmacy. We do sterile and non-sterile compounding in all 50 states and uh, kind of jumping on with Dr. Meyer, the consulting pharmacist with Mochi, advising on pretty much everything pharmacy from oversights to compounds to regulation to Whatever questions come up. Oh, wonderful! Oh, this is going to be a great,
1: great. Oh, talk. we're going to learn so much.
2: I'm oh, this so is right going in. to be good. And can I just yes. say, I've been, I've been nerding out for the past week about this, like. This is the highlight of my week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We really do. I think it's really what's so crazy about like this medication. We talk about a lot, obviously, um, is the reason we're so obsessed about it. And we want to know so much about it. It fascinates us so much because it changed our lives. You know, like when you're when you're sick your whole life and then the things that you struggle with get turned off just like that. It's impossible not to think about it and be excited every single day. Like fascinating. it's just, am, it's absolutely it's, fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah. And it's just, what else could I do with my brain now that it is not just completely consumed without thinking about food? And you know what the answer is? We start a podcast. We help our community. We help people, Yeah, you know, like, it's amazing. Like what you're going to do when you make people better? Like, this is the kind of stuff that happens, you know? So this that's is, why. Yeah. This,
2: this is this is, a, this is amazing. And can I just say from a type two diabetic, this is the only medication that has worked to lower my A1C. This
1: that's is really the good. Only med. The only one. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, we are so happy. Um, so yeah, so let's get started. Um, I think that we should assume that people know nothing um, and start with deciding what a compound is, um, what compound a GLP-1s are, because I don't think they'd be watching this if they didn't know what a GLP-1 is. But maybe we maybe we explain that a little bit first. You know what? We will. Dr. Rosen, <laughs> you have had a couple of videos I know specifically about what GLP-1s are and how they work. Mm-hmm. Could you give us a general overview to start? And then we'll dig in a little bit deeper.
5: For sure. So yeah. GLP1s are a um, class of hormones that are released physiologically in the end of the intestines. They are an evolutionary adaptation to prevent people from losing calories. Calories historically, evolutionarily, were at a premium and they were hard to come by. And when you would get a large calorie load, there would be a big kill or something like that, and you would have all this food to eat, and of course there's no refrigeration, so you would eat as much as you can, but you can overwhelm the GI tract in terms of processing and absorbing those nutrients and calories. So the intestines developed the trick to stop you from eating once you've hit that limit of overwhelming the system from a um, metabolic perspective. So as food reaches the end of the intestines, special cells called L cells produce GLP-1. And that GLP-1 enters the bloodstream and starts to impact both the brain and the rest of the GI tract. For the GI tract, it slows things down to prevent things from sort of being pushed through. And in your brain, it can create a sensation of being like so full. If you eat anything else, you'll vomit. Yeah. You know, that's totally a brain creation. It's a fallacy. It's a myth. Joey Chestnut, the hot dog eating champion, yeah. <laughs> says fullness is a state of mind to be pushed through. Wow. And that couldn't wow. be more true because so it's true. just the brain tricking you into thinking like there's food here. There is no food there. Yeah. It's just that's the way your brain gets your mouth to stop having more food put into it. Mm. And so... Another term for it is the ileal break because the end of the intestines is the ileum. And GLP-1 eventually was identified actually following bariatric surgery research because it was these rapid fullness and improvement in diabetes that people saw after gastric bypass before they even lost any weight, totally independent of weight loss. Because when you reroute the intestines, the food sort of gets to the end really quick because it's starting in the middle instead of starting at the beginning. And they identified these hormones that were spiked called GLP-1. And then, of course, the pharmaceutical companies came in and began to (laughs) synthesize and produce them, market them, and sell them. Of course. (laughs) And it's a revolution. We never saw weight loss medications like the GLP-1 class of medications, originally targeted at um, diabetes management. And with weight loss as a side effect. And as these medications have gone through different iterations, they have gotten better and better, I think specifically from a weight loss perspective. And it seems that the weight loss achieved for non-diabetics can be even greater than what we're seeing for diabetics. Yeah. And now they've been, of course, branded and marketed directly as an obesity treatment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, you know, all the girls and I all take um, Minjaro, which we know is hopefully <coughs> gonna be FDA approved. In right. the fourth quarter of this year, um, for obesity, so we hope that's the case. But um, that's another another conversation about off label use. We'll have that for another day. Um, but that was a really good answer. I want to make sure that uh, the other doctors didn't want to join in and share anything a different perspective or how they want to explain it. New. No?
4: Honestly, that
1: was extremely thorough. <laughs> I thought it was too. I thought it was too. And I just wanted to make sure you were okay with it too. Okay, good. I thought it was super good too. Um, okay, so next question is we know that there are some people, and people who are watching probably do too, that are unable to get their medication either because of accessibility or affordability. And there are what we call compound options. Now, there's a lot of stuff about what is a compound and what's it made of, and we're gonna dig into that a little bit more, but if you could just give us like a general answer, maybe we start with um Dr. Dr. Adam Ripley, if you could tell us like what is a compound medication.
6: So a compound drug or a compound for short is basically where you put two things together and you make something new out of it. Uh, it's it's really about that simple. Um or two or more things. I mean, you can you can take two things or you can take three or four or five drugs and, and put them together and you make a compounded drug product. Um in, in that fashion. So it, it's really just, uh, it pretty much is, is that simple, just bringing those things together and creating something new.
1: Okay. Um, when people are choosing to have a compound pharmacy or use a compound pharmacy, um, I, and I think a lot of times we, we, at least we here in our community, especially from our doctors, like, start going through a doctor. Don't just go directly to a pharmacy because you need like a doctor's care. Um, so I'd love to know like Dr. Myra, like, could you tell us like what kind of blood work do you want to have done before you're going to be starting like on a GLP one medication?
4: Sure. Um, I think for our patients, we ask everyone for PCP information just because we're really an adjunct to your PCP, your PCP should still be doing all of your regular blood work for all of your other medical conditions. Um, for our patients, we check um, A1C, which is basically an indicator for insulin resistance and a screening tool for prediabetes or diabetes. Um, we check thyroid labs, which is TSH, basically to check for any hypothyroidism that might be leading to weight gain. Um, and then we check creatinine to make sure that your kidney function is normal before we start anybody on a GLP-1 because you might have an adjusted dosing schedule with that. And then a lipid panel just to check for cholesterol. Um, that's also a really helpful tool for as you lose weight to recheck because you might see an improvement in labs before you're seeing a ton of weight change. So.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Um, Kat, Great I think question. Your, your question I do.
4: Is so
3: why are compounds so much cheaper? Um, and also adding into that, how cheap is too cheap <laughs> and where should we look yeah. for these red flags? So that's a good, that's a good one too. Yeah. Of. And I would assume maybe, um, Dr. Ripley, Dr. Myra or any, any one of you, but I would assume Dr. Ripley, you probably have the, the most thorough answers there.
6: <laughs> well, it, it, it's kind of it has a lot of layers to it, I guess. you uh-huh. you're, you kind of look at, uh, why you know, maybe backing up a little bit and, and maybe thinking about why are the pharmaceutical products so expensive? Maybe not why the mm-hmm, compounded right. ones are so cheap, but maybe backing up a little bit and looking from the pharmaceutical product. You know, In general, you know, pharmaceutical companies uh, apply for and get a patent on uh, a medication, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. is X number of years long, you know, 10, mm-hmm. 15, 20, depending on, on the patent and how, how they when they get it and that kind of thing. Um, and it basically it, it, it we have a free market and they can charge what they want to based on the demand um, that that's out there a lot of times what insurance companies will pay for it what the what the what the population will pay for it they and they back in a lot of their uh, development costs over the years a lot of their research a lot of their um, developments that might not I've gotten to the market. You know, a lot of those things are layered in and rolled into the costs of you know a okay. drug. And then they've got um, what they would say, you know, let's say maybe once the patent is out there, you know, they might have maybe a 10 year window. Of, they would call it a small window to recoup a lot of that investment that they've put in. So you know, they would argue that you know, we're 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 paying for the research and we're recouping our costs and we're making a profit so that we can kick it down the road for the next big thing to come out. So a a lot of free market forces, a lot of research, a lot of things like that on why like the pharmaceutical products are so expensive. So on the flip side, when you look at a compounded product, your compounding pharmacies don't have that layer or extra layers of, uh, research and years and years of of uh, overhead costs and uh, research and development rolled in. You know, compounding pharmacies. You know, you know, for the most part, you know, really base their their pricing on what what the material costs, what their overhead is, you know, uh, what what the employees' time, you know, pharmacists, technicians, you know, employee time, cost of goods, cost of compliance. You know, a really smaller overhead number when you start looking at an overall uh, product piece. So um, mm-hmm. is it the, it. for the most part, a lot of the drug products themselves aren't that expensive. Um, a lot of it is in the labor of putting it together, the compliance to make sure that it's safe, yeah. it's accurate. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so that's where I think where you get um, a, a lot of the, the cost and the price difference between say something that's compounded and then a, a larger pharmaceutical brand name product that's on the market today. Gotcha, Excellent. gotcha, gotcha.
3: And so, what would be? I guess maybe a red flag of how cheap would too cheap be? Um,
6: I, I yeah, like I, if yeah, you hear I someone
1: think, saying a hundred dollars, like is that scary?
6: Well, I, I it's think uh, yeah, that would I mean, probably the same old adage, yeah, the adage. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. Um, yeah, perfect. Yep. So you know, if you're if yeah if, if if it's somebody's advertising it for. 30 bucks or, you know, 90 bucks. Or it, it, if you think it's too good to be true, there's probably something behind it. There's more to that story. So um, yeah. if, if you think it's too cheap, you're probably right. It probably is too cheap. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, 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 yeah. Hard to put a, a hard number on it, but yeah, I think you, you I gotta it. put that, yeah. you gotta have the smell test, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the smell test, yeah.
3: Totally agree. And building onto that. So we're on the, what, we're, what I'm seeing on TikTok with our, some of our users is the, the reconstitution and the safety of doing it at home. Um, is it safe to do it? I know. Right. <laughs> this is for all you all cutting on. Yeah. Just chime yeah. in. Is it safe to do it at home? Is it, and also, you know, I, I, know I have a fun.
5: major Actually, problem with this.
3: Let's all right. You get
5: gonna, to answer it. I'm You're just going to jump in on this one. Cause like, <laughs> yeah,
1: thanks,
3: Dr. this Dr. is
5: crazy. <laughs> to me crazy like the notion of a patient taking a powdered version of a medication and doing their own dilution in order to come up with potentially the the recommended concentration presuming they don't screw this up and we have patients i'm sure dr myra would agree with me we have patients that make dosing mistakes all the time. You have patients that get sent the wrong medication, so they give themselves a 15-milligram dose instead of a 2.5-milligram dose, and they're vomiting for three days, need to be in the oh. emergency room for hydration, and, and that's without them mixing it. You have patients who, who dose themselves, instead of 50 milligrams, they dose themselves 0. 0.5 milligrams, you know, or instead of 50 units, they dose themselves 0.5 units because oh 50 units is 0.5 ml. So they may give themselves like the tiniest sliver of medication in a in a insulin syringe and then wonder why it isn't working. Yeah. And so that's without mixing it themselves. So so the idea that a patient would be injecting sterile water or sodium chloride into a vial of powder and mixing it up—that's a complicated thing for me to do myself, and that—and that's something I would do, let's say, for Botox. Botox comes in a powdered yeah. form and has to be reconstituted in the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really um, dangerous for patients mm-hmm. to be their own pharmacist, in essence. Yeah, um, and do that—that that diluting. I think it will either result in a number of people getting too little medication or a number, number of people getting too much medication. It what about the sterility
1: to, of it? Like what if, in terms of like doing at home? I, I mean, I've heard different things. I'm that, not sure if that's valid, but.
5: Presuming that they're providing a vial of sterile saline or or sterile yeah. water and they, you know, and are using a sterile syringe. I don't think the sterility is, is as big of an issue. I just think the the possibility of, errors is is much higher and i think that it speaks to like if you're getting a vial of just powder and i i know people do it but i don't know who does it so if someone does do this and they want to chime in i'm perfectly happy to hear that perspective but it speaks to a system that isn't really being thought out from a patient-friendly perspective Uh, i think these medications should be provided individually meaning like your name should be on the vial mm-hmm. and your dose should be on the vial and the concentration mm-hmm. of that medication in milligrams per ml should be on that vial and the dosing instructions 0.5 ml subcutaneously weekly right should be on the vial right. yeah and if you yeah. and if you're not getting all those things then i think you need to look at who's providing your stuff yeah and have a high degree of suspicion and concern. So it should
1: be like what it is when you go to the pharmacy and you have a script. Cause all those things yeah. are usually on your, on your script, right? Is your name, right. like the ID right. and all of those things you just mentioned. Okay. Yep. So and I would, I, I and, I
6: would it's, and I think it's somebody who's compounded stuff in a sterile environment for 10, mm-hmm. 12 plus years. I I think sterility is an important issue. Um, I think it from, cause you never know uh, how, what environment people are are doing this uh, reconstitution in? Uh, yeah, are they using sterile pot? Are are they reconstituting something, putting it in the fridge and pulling two or three doses out of it over a month? What yeah. are they introducing into the vial? Um, yeah. you know, fr- from a you know, if you're going to do it at a from a maybe a one time deal and you got a, you got sterile water and you you got the alcohol swabs and your your uh, Doing it pretty carefully at home, yeah, I would agree. Probably sterility might not be that big of an issue, but okay. I think as you start to layer on the complexity, it, you know, are you getting multiple doses out of the vial? Um, you know where you know wh- where are you doing it in the home? You know from a, yeah you know mm-hmm. pets, kids, yeah um, you know yeah. feces and you know, cats litter everywhere. You you just start yeah. layering All in. Right. The the issues, and then if you're putting it in a vial and you're just allowing it to sit there and fester over a, a week or a month, yeah, yeah, you know, then, then I think mm. you start to look at you know you know what issues could you run into you know uh, over a longer period of time.
3: Yeah, that's quite. That's quite dangerous. It, it's it's unrelated, but it made me think of this. So my husband recently had a pituitary tumor, and they had he had surgery that haven't removed. And one of his doctors told him a, a, a horror story of somebody. So after you have a pituitary tumor removed, you have to wash your sinuses out um, with uh, distilled sterile mm-hmm. water and um, some solution. And they told him there was a man. I don't know what state it was, but he used tap water, and he Ooh. passed away because um, something grew in his head. So. Oh
1: my gosh!
3: It's yeah. real, real. Don't don't mix your stuff at all.
6: <laughs> With tap
3: water yeah, tap water. And
6: yeah, you know, p- p- people are cheap. They'll keep using the same syringes over and over, and you know, yeah. just you, you start layering in risks that just don't need to be there. Exactly, exactly.
3: Yeah. Wow, that makes sense. Don't do it. Yeah, we want you to be here and alive. Yes, <laughs> please.
5: Skinny and dead. Yeah. That doesn't
1: help. <laughs> no, like the whole point is to get better.
4: Exactly. Let's not get worse.
1: Let's not get worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah.
4: yeah. Well, Our, um, go, ahead, we'll to
3: add into that, um, I know we had another, a, little, a little extra to the question. Is it better to have your prescriptions for the compound, like either have it shipped or just pick it up? Is there really a big difference with the safety in that as well?
6: Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it depends on how it's sh- I mean, shipping is great. Uh, shipping works. It just depends on you know, how it's shipped. Uh, is it shipped appropriately? Um, if it's, if it needs to be shipped refrigerated in a refrigerated temperature, are you getting it at a refrigerated temperature? Uh, heat degrades um, these type of drugs, these peptides uh, proteins really quickly. So if it gets, if you're out in Arizona and it sits out in the UPS truck all day long in a solution mm-hmm. and it gets hot you know, you start worrying about potency. Uh, so it, 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 I don't think it's necessarily, is shipping better than picking up? I think it's the matter of, of how it's, how it's delivered and is it shipped correctly? And is it being stored correctly? And are you receiving it in a manner in which it should have been stored? And that right. there's not, and how long did it take it to get? Did it come overnight? Did it come two today? Did it go out to Arizona and then come back to South Carolina and then go back to Missouri? And you you, yeah. you, you start to worry about, you know, exposure to temperatures and uh, potency and that kind of stuff so i think it's more important about how than how it's delivered rather than the the manner which you pick it up yeah
1: what about if it should come from your doctor or if it should come from god forbid like i'm sorry but like a day spa i mean not a day spa like a med spa or like a weight loss clinic like i mean in terms of like buying it there versus like, how, again, like Dr. Rose was saying, like specifically it being from you, should it always, is it a best practice for it to come directly from the ph- compound pharmacy? I hear lots of different things. I'm not sure. Yeah.
5: Well, we, in my practice, uh, we do a lot of shipping. Shipping is great because, mm-hmm. you know, again, I agree with Dr. Ripley. It's based on how it's packaged, the reliability of the delivery. Um, yeah. it's all about access from my perspective. And if you can get medications easier, reliably through a shipping process, I'm mm-hmm. all for it. We also have medications that we give to patients in our office. Um, and it, the situation might be that someone, you know, is very motivated to start the medication in the moment. We would order that medication, but we would offer them the opportunity to start the medication Um, in the office. And that's me writing a one-time prescription and then filling it out of uh, product that we have in the office. And the point is, as compared to, say, a med spa, Mm -hmm. I'm the doctor. I'm administering the medication. And I think when you look at social media promotions and med spas, trying to capitalize on the GLP-1 craze. You are dealing with um, healthcare environments that get uncomfortably sketchy. And you really, as a rule of thumb, I would say if you can't, at a minimum, Google the name of the doctor who will, in the end, be the person responsible for your care, be the supervisor of your care, and can't have a conversation with that clinician. And it, of course, it doesn't need to be a doctor. It can be yeah. a, a PA or an NP. But right. if you can't have a conversation with that clinician who yeah. is overseeing your healthcare and the and administering these medications and prescribing these medications in order to have your questions answered and in order to report complications or negative reactions, to these medications and seek advice and care, then mm-hmm. I think you're exposing yourself to problems. And that for me is a big red flag. If you can't identify mm-hmm. yeah. who is the healthcare provider, not just someone working at a med yeah. spa. And even if it's a, a nurse yeah. or an MA, I think you have to be able to identify who is the healthcare provider who is ultimately taking responsibility for your care.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Totally.
5: I know med spa directors who don't set foot in the med spa ever.
1: Yeah.
4: Oh, Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately, if you were getting a prescription, it should be coming either directly from the pharmacy and you know the pharmacy that you are getting it from or the provider's office has their own in-office stock from a pharmacy that was, I mean, they ordered it Mm -hmm. from the pharmacy and they're the one administering, but... Pharmacies have just so much more oversight in this space that like, I I think that it's it's an extra layer of safety that you know that there is a board of pharmacy that is is really checking, placing checks and balancing on this.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: And
2: and when when you all were, when we were talking about the like delivery method of compound medications, is it best to have them sent shipped overnight or is there like a maximum shipping timeframe that you all will ship? Because we're seeing on TikTok and other social media platforms where they're receiving their compound medication overnight and then like they're unboxing videos.
6: Yeah. I, I would say that the standard is probably overnight. That, that's a, that's probably a pretty good rule of thumb, but you know, also it depends on, you know, what what dosing form? You know what are you getting? Is it an injectable? Does it need to be stored in the refrigerator? Uh, yeah. Is it a shelf stable, um, you know, liquid or a tablet or you know whatever it is? Um, it, I think probably at a minimum, definitely uh, no more than you know a, a two day kind of FedEx or two day kind of delivery. If there's yeah. some temperature control in the box, if there's um, you know some um, you. Know, particularly in the hotter months and but not necessarily just the hotter months but even you know, in the hotter months it, 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 are there ice packs in there are there is it able to be temperature controlled uh from a from a delivery perspective anything much over that particularly if it's an injectable drug uh overnight's probably uh the way to go much over a day or two um, even some of your best shipping at that point probably is not going to keep it at a really good consistent temperature so okay. um, that that would okay. be what i would
5: think and and i would add on to that just because it comes five days later you know or seven days after your visit with the physician doesn't mean it took a week to get there there's like Mm. processing times oh yeah good point so like
1: when it actually ships is what you want to be looking for is the date it's
5: gone yeah not when the label created would be standard yeah Okay. Yeah. And, and, a,
6: and a lot of the, and a lot of the good pharmacies will kind of keep you updated throughout the process of when your prescription was in, okay. what's it's being processed. You'll get a shipping notification of when it's going out. So you know, maybe Doctor Rosen had written the prescription two days ago or three days ago, but it would ship out tomorrow. You would, a, a lot. You should be working with places where you're getting those notifications along the way, so that you're you're, you're in the loop on how it's being processed and. Uh, how where it is in the workflow, if you will, and that mm-hmm. you get the tracking when, when it gets shipped, so you know that hey, it got shipped out yesterday, and I'm expecting it tomorrow. Uh, so it, your your really good ones should keep you that much in the loop on the on the workflow from start to finish. Okay. Okay.
1: Okay. All
2: right. Okay. Well, that and thank you all for that. And I we're, we're still on the actual pharmacies, and uh, Doctor Myra touched on it but i guess my question and i have like it's a three-parter but i'll just do one at <laughs> a time <laughs> but uh, are compound pharmacies regulated and by who are they regulated and like how do you define regulated i
6: think that's a that's an excellent no, question cuz i cuz I, I, I think a lot, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there yeah you know, and um, it Pharmacy in general is probably one of the most regulated professions in healthcare. care, uh, if, if, if you look at it from top to bottom. And then compounding pharmacy, when done correctly and done the right way, has even more layers than your traditional pharmacy does. So just kind of a, a, a quick kind of layout of it. So, you know, all pharmacies are required to be licensed in the state where they reside. So. If you're in North Carolina or California, you're required to be licensed in that state by that state board of pharmacy. Um, And then in each state that they practice in or ship to or uh, do business in, they are licensed in each one of those states as well from a pharmacy perspective. So
3: um,
6: when you look at a compounding pharmacy, compounding pharmacies uh, are guided kind of internally by their standard operating procedures uh, their SOPs, which they are, are put together and are uh, kind of dictate what they do and have systems that they follow on a daily basis. Um, they're registered. They're licensed by their individual state board of pharmacy. Uh, they also must be registered in any state that they ship to. Uh, they can and are inspected by the FDA. Uh, so you've got that state level and then you've got the federal level. Of supervision of regulatory authority. Uh, the FDA didn't used to go into as many compounding pharmacies as they do now, but a lot of times what you'll see on state inspections uh, is the state board uh, inspector will come in with one or two FDA inspectors and they'll do joint inspections, uh, but the FDA has every right to come into a compounding pharmacy and regulate. Uh, and making sure that they're following the uh, standards that are set up from a federal level and a state level. Uh, And then in addition to that, you've got USP standards, which are your compounding standards for non-sterile and sterile and how things are done, how things are sterilized, how things are compounded. Then you've got your accreditation bodies, your PCABs, your NABPs. Uh, So you've got a lot of different layers there of, uh, Regulatory oversight and just kind of daily good practices on a compounding pharmacy. So there's a lot of layers there and a lot of regulatory um, oversight, really, from the the, the state to the federal level. And then you've got uh, kind of a newer pharmacy designation, uh, which is a kind of which is which is called a 503B, which it a 503B compounding pharmacy. And those pharmacies uh, are a little bit more regulated and inspected more frequently by the FDA. It's not necessarily a state board, uh, type situation. It's more of an FDA, uh, one type, um, pharmacy designation. Um, and they're treated a little bit more similar to a pharmaceutical, uh, company than they are a standard compounding pharmacy. And those 503Bs are the ones that would ship directly to the physician's offices for office use medications, um, uh, as opposed to a lot of your other compounding pharmacies, which are a different designation, they need a a particular script for a specific patient to send to that specific patient. So they're very patient specific that way.
2: Wow. Okay. Thank you. And my next question is, well, our next question is why um, is it, why are compounds available in shortage and is it legally, you know, available when it, isn't a shortage.
6: Yeah, So, it, it, and that really just comes down to the FDA uh, part of the regulatory component. The FDA sets out uh, guidelines on uh, uh, how things can be compounded, when they can be compounded, uh, in, in addition to state guidelines and some of those other bodies who I was talking about, like the USP. Uh, but the FDA really controls uh, a lot of what you can compound and when you can compound it. And the FDA pretty much says, If the drug is on the FDA shortage list, it basically means it's unavailable. Not that it's not available, but it hits a shortage. It hits their their official shortage list and they then allow compounding pharmacies to help make up that shortage deficit uh, while something is on the shortage list. So at that point, you can make. and we'll, we'll kind of get into a little bit into the weeds here on, on compounds, but the FDA then allows you to compound an exact copy of a branded drug if it's on the shortage list, uh, because th- then th- that's helped at seeing that, that we're helping to uh, bridge the gap on the shortage, if you will. Right.
5: Okay. okay. Which is why compound medications have been able to sort of slide into the GLP-1 space.
1: Yeah, because of all the shortages. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I can imagine, like, I, I just can only imagine that this will continue. <laughs> like, I'm hoping that it will be short lived. I, I, of course, like, but I just, it, it, the demand is so high. It's so high. And the, and if they get, and if for specifically Majora, if they get approved. You know, for weight management, which we all think they will, you know, mm-hmm. in Q4, then that's just a whole nother indication and more demand. They're going, "Oh, that is safe, that is good." The FDA says okay, then. Right. then I think that's something, you know, and also like in terms of being in the weeds, like this is for sure the the episode for the weeds of the compound pharmacy. So <laughs> uh, have at it, Dr. Ripley. We would love yeah. all the our our, yeah. our listeners definitely want this. Yeah, and you can
6: you can Google FDA shortage list. The FDA publishes it and updates it all the yeah. time. You can go in and see. It's not just... Just GLP ones that are on there. You know, there's a, a big shortage of ADHD and yeah. um, stimulant mm-hmm. meds like that. There's stuff that antibiotics, yeah. that stuff that goes yeah. on and off those lists all the time. So it's a yeah. it's a it's a living, breathing document, and you can you can anybody can go check out and see what's on when it's on and why it's on there.
0: Say goodbye to restrictive weight loss methods and hello to iVeam, the number one prescriber of GLP1 medications. GLP-1s curb cravings, stabilize blood sugar, increase energy and balance A1C levels to regulate your body and kickstart your weight loss journey. iVeem is committed to making medical weight loss accessible, affordable and customized because we believe that's how it should be. Sign up for free and get 20% off our accessibility programs. And what's why
5: super sorry. Go ahead, Dr. No, you me. go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. I was ahead. just going to okay. say
5: that what's super interesting And I think novel about what's happening now in the GLP-1 space, which probably did not happen before, is that it's not really the medication that's in shortage in this instance. Rather, it's the um, supply chain involved in these complicated delivery mechanisms that Mm -hmm. these medications were sort of branded and packaged in, um, in order to facilitate easy delivery of the medication so yeah. th- the companies sort of built themselves a trap yeah. by creating complicated delivery systems that then mm. they were unable to ramp up to meet demand because production of the medication itself is yeah. not nearly as um, limiting because you can just make it in mass but you have to mm. make each of these pens you know mm-hmm. in a factory and they yeah. that is really what can't keep up with demand So you have a medication that's in shortage, but without a true shortage of that medication, it's the delivery system of that medication. And so compound pharmacies are able to come in and utilize that excess medication that isn't packaged. So when people say, like, well, where do you get that medication? The company says it's not from us. We're not delivering that medication. Well, what's actually happening is Nova Nordisk doesn't make their stem like Mm -hmm. they may have developed it and, you know, configured it in the lab and then tested Mm it, you know, made a batch and tested it. But when it comes to mass production of things, they tend to outsource to subcontractors, typically in India or China. Ah. the, The, um, the mass production of these precursors and medications that then they have in a different facility contracting facilities just shut down, right? It's like they still, have, they still have production lines they want to keep open. They still have employees yeah. they want to um, employ. Yeah. And so they're kind of building up this product, waiting for the big drunk companies to buy it off of them. And it's completely conceivable that because the FDA allows compound pharmacies to distribute it or produce it, they can buy these um, precursor medications and then distribute it. It's kind of like, you know, a designer handbag company that during the day they make, you know, labeled items. And at Mm -hmm. night they make the same handbag, but don't affix the name brand label and it goes mm-hmm. out in trucks and yeah. it's distributed. On Canal it's Street. the same on Canal <laughs> right Street. On Canal it, Street. <laughs> it might be the, <laughs> it might be the very same handbag, mm-hmm. but one is branded and one is not mm. because that factory wants to produce as much product as it can. Yeah. And you know, that's a, economic driving force that's a yeah. really good um, wow
4: interesting was that recently eli Lilly announced that the manjaro and trulicity pens are the same device they yeah. use the same internal components and so as manjaro drives more and more demand there's going to be a shortage of trulicity coming as well because it's the
0: sure, same sure. Um,
4: yeah. and then they also issued a report saying that they have a third party manufacturer like dr rosen was saying that does all of their peptide production in europe brings it in, and then they basically assemble this together, put it together in their factory, and then package it up and send it out. So, Oh, my the, gosh. The, wow. the supply chain issue that's holding everything up seems to be these pens, and the pens have, like, a, uh, a mechanism to yeah. basically shoot out the medication without any kind of, like, electronic components or anything. So that's the whole yeah.
5: issue. Spring-loaded.
4: Yeah. yeah,
5: But but you I gotta see say, I've used them a,
4: all
1: and I think the, the one that's
5: basic yeah. is just as easy.
1: It's just yeah. as easy. Like,
4: see, look, see let's but, save
5: the, the
1: environment. One what's what's super interesting out. is
5: you see the way that these pharmaceutical companies manipulate the narrative.
1: Yeah, for sure right? they do. That's
5: in order to about demonize, <laughs> yeah. you know, they don't want anyone yeah. using compound medications because it takes sales away from them.
4: Mm-hmm. So
5: in order to sow distrust over the medication, they're not going to like get into the nitty gritty of the fact that it's their subcontractors that are selling excess medication Mm -hmm. through other channels. Uh, They're just going to say, we have not provided compound pharmacies with our medication, which is technically true, but it serves to, you know, invalidate um, the source of safe medication that yeah. Compound pharmacies could possibly be delivering to patients, right?
1: So, wow. when you get these medications and they're not like matched, you know, dose for dose, so like if I get some glutide versus getting Ozempic and I do 0.25 of Ozempic and then I say I get some sort of milliliters or a different type of dose, like because they've added in B12 or something, one, why do they do that? Like, there, I'm sure there's a reason, um, and and two, like, how do I know what it is I'm actually getting? Is this kind of going back to, like, make sure it's got your name on it and things like that? Because I feel like there's a lot of misconception around that. And I also think there's some people that are exploiting others by giving them not as much of the medication. Like, maybe they're not giving them the 0.25 of the medication. Totally, they're giving them, like, less, you know, and then these, to keep them from having side effects. Like, we're seeing that with some some compound or some balls and things like that. They're really doing things in, in a bad way and giving... And fairness, compound pharmacy, a, a bad name, right? Mm-hmm. So like what's up with that? <laughs> Can you
6: yeah, that? I think that, actually, I think Dr. Rosen talked uh, touched on it a, a little earlier, uh, and, and it's a pet peeve of mine too. It's um, it, everything that should come out of a pharmacy should be labeled with the with the strength and the dose. Yeah. How many milligrams, how many mLs per mL is it, and what's mm-hmm. your dose? And, it, mm-hmm. and I think too many people – I see too many people get caught up in, well, my sister's using two units, and I'm using four units.
2: Right. Well, I see it, what you're it, saying. It depends on oh, – it depends okay. on – uh,
6: depend, the, the units, it depends on where you're getting it from, who's making it, yeah. what the concentration is. So if the, the two you – know, in, in that example, you know, Susie may be doing – two units and her sister's doing Mm -hmm. four units, but if they're getting it from two different places and they're making it two different ways, they may be getting exactly the same dose. So people get Mm -hmm. caught up on
5: units and milliliters and units. Yeah, It needs to be institutionalized. Like we need to make it from this podcast out to the community that when you talk about your dosage, you talk about it in milligrams,
1: milligrams, that's milligrams delivered, not milligrams, milligrams, milligrams
5: of medication in whatever volume you're taking. So when people yeah. tell me, like, my dose is 20 ml, I'm like, no, you know, that's yeah. not your dose. That's the volume your dose is delivered in. Think yeah, about it, it like it milk,
4: right? Like, it, like fat-free yeah. milk, you're going to get no fat. If you're yeah. getting 3% milk,
5: that yeah. is a very yes. high fat I Love that.
4: So if you're trying mm-hmm. to get the same amount of fat content in your milk, <laughs> you're going to have yeah. different amounts of milk.
6: Yeah. Oh, that's and, fascinating. And, and, Thank you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I right. You know, so so many you know, different you know, medical conferences well, where even we're... the physicians are teaching it in units. And there's like, give mm-hmm. give your patients four units, give your patients two yeah. units, and and you really got to go back and really kind of uh, unlearn a, a lot of people. And it, wow. it's it's what's your dose, how many milligrams, and then okay, yeah, don't don't get caught up in in the the um, the the amount that you're getting in terms of yeah. the amount of fluid that is in because it may be irrelevant when it comes to the dose that you need, because it may be different than um, you know, what somebody else is getting down the street. That's
5: great. And, and the, and the follow-up on that question of when you have a question is you can, Oh, you should always be able to either contact your prescriber or contact right. your pharmacy. And if you can't yeah. do either of those things, then you shouldn't take it.
1: Yeah. You shouldn't take it. Ah.
5: And if you can't, if you can't get a straight answer or you
6: don't feel like you're getting a straight answer. That's another red flag that you're not in the right spot.
1: Great.
3: Good.
2: I like it. That's, and, and. Oh, oh, I love answers.
1: I love answers.
2: (laughs) That was one of our questions because we're seeing in the conversations on social media, I've got this amount of units or this amount of milliliters. So it did, so it's not consistent across Mm -hmm. the board. And, and that leads me to, my last question of when you're using a compound pharmacy for our last question for, for, for me is what should you be, you know, looking for when researching a compound pharmacy and, you know, and in terms of compound salts, why are they so
1: dangerous? So like certifications, you mean?
5: That's two two totally different questions. (laughs) I'm
1: sorry. Start with the first one. My bad. (laughs) (laughs)
6: Right, <laughs> I, I think it, 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 a lot of it goes back to kind of, uh, I think some of my the, the, the thoughts on who's regulating pharmacies and going you know, when you start looking at compounding pharmacies. You know, I think a, a good place to look is you know, from the accreditation standpoints. The it, what, what national boards or what national organizations are they accredited by? You know, there's mm-hmm. several. The NABP, National Association okay. Board of Pharmacy, does some accreditations. Ah, uh, PCAB, PCAB, Pharmacy Compounding Association boards. I think that's the right acronym. Okay, uh, okay. what what all the letters stand for? Uh, do they
5: have a website?
6: Yep, yeah, they have a website. Can <laughs> Can you Google okay. them when you pick up yeah, the telephone? Yeah. Are you talking to somebody? Um, okay, yeah, you, you almost every state has a pharmacy license registration. You can look them up by the okay. state. Um, I think I think a great a place to start just from a from trying to find, find the ones that um, might stand out from the crowd might be yeah, a better sure. option or to look or to kind of start with that accreditation piece and then kind of work from there. Cause the, the, the accreditation bodies will take all of that other information, the state board requirements, the USP requirements, the FDA requirements, and they'll put them into, you know, that certification uh, compliance uh mold there so that if they're, um, if, if they're, if they have those certifications, then, uh, from those national bodies, that's a great indicator that, that they okay. are on, on the up and up and probably head and shoulders above, uh, somebody who's not doing it, uh, that particular way.
5: Awesome. And let me, let me start the conversation about semaglutide salts and Dr. Myra and Dr. Yeah, Ripley please Fields, please yes, jump in. Please. Thank you. Um, but who there's clearly the the um the message put out there that semaglutide salt is some sort of bad thing as if it's yes, like there is. poison mm-hmm. yes and, that's for
1: sure what it sounds like and as yes. if like yeah.
5: there's semaglutide and then there's semaglutide salt and one is like yeah. a lower caliber of mm-hmm. the other yes. and I don't think that any semaglutide that is manufactured and distributed to patients wasn't at some point a semaglutide salt. I'm going to put that out there. Because as far as I understand things, and I may be wrong, making a salt version of a medication is a way that you can transport that medication as a powder in a stable, non-reactive um, situation, um, like table salt is a salt. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not highly reactive. It can sit in a jar; nothing happens to it. But when you add water to it, the sodium comes off the chloride ion, and then it's it's um, you get different ions of with different properties, like hydrochloric acid and sodium hydroxide, you know, and so a salt is just a stable way to have a medication. And I would suspect that any medication that's branded at some point in its production life Hmm. was Mm -hmm. a salt. Um, And I think that it was sort of put out there that compounds are using salts because I suspect they are prior to the, Mm the, the, dilution of that medication and that preparation of that medication whether it's with sterile mm-hmm. water or saline it is in a salt form but the the same exact thing is happening when the branded medication i was wondering if okay. either of you could comment oh on that.
1: really yeah
3: wow so i think yeah, maybe okay, sometimes Mar- when you're saying with salts because my i guess my first perception of that is uh you think table salt and so you're you're mm-hmm. immediately thinking oh it's not safe that's you know, or bath salts, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's too. You went there. No. <laughs> yeah. like my
1: brain, is my true. brain's going to reconstitution. Like my brain's going, okay, it's salt, and then you add water and like that. You know, like and I, I don't know because I don't do compound. I if I have to, I would like, but but yeah, I think that's something that we I mean. We're sick, we need medicine. There's there's nothing wrong with that, you know? But if 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 you like when I hear salt and this is this just is just like typical social media bullshit, I'm just gonna say it, right? Like you hear these things and things start rolling, and like let's talk about what the actual truth is. So that makes a lot of sense to me that when you have something that you're trying to ship. Like, especially if it's from like another country or store, like for a long period of time to be able to then use it in its active form that you would have it like that. But is it, do we want to be receiving it as a salt? I think that's probably the question is like, when you get your from a compound pharmacy, am I going to open up and see salts that I'm going to have to mix together? You know, is that what I need to stay away from? And it sounds like from our earlier conversation, perhaps. Yeah. Um, So tell me more.
4: That's where the danger comes in because that salt form never went through clinical trials the same way mm. that Ozempic and wagovi did. And so we know yeah. what Ozempic and wagovi do in your body, and we have a fairly good understanding of the cytoprof- profile there, but we don't know that for the salt form.
5: So
1: Ah, okay, that but, makes more sense.
5: But Dr. Ripley, when you add water or saline to the salt form, doesn't it become semaglutide, indistinguishable from any semaglutide that you would have?
6: yeah i think that that's the that's the thought process and i think it so goes you're not back maybe giving before.
5: yourself your semaglutide salt which hasn't been studied you're actually once it's reconstituted you're giving yourself semaglutide
6: yeah and i think that kind of goes back a little bit to what dr myro had mentioned that you it, it yeah. in, in theory yes but it's not that's not what was in the studies uh and that's not mm-hmm. what was studied so um mm-hmm. you know from okay. a could, could you say that with a hundred percent certainty? No, you, you really couldn't because that's not how it was studied, but if from a yeah. chemical standpoint, it, could you argue it from a, you know, from a chemical reaction? Here's what happens when you add water, it's going to get rid yeah. of that sodium uh, uh, salt molecule that's on it and it's going to cleave it off and you're going to end up with some glutide. Yeah. Uh, from a chemical standpoint, probably uh, I think more okay. from a, a um, uh, from a, what we know, what we can prove, and what's been proven, I think maybe we really just don't know.
5: We don't. We, we can't. We say don't know them. that the semaglutide in the study wasn't a semaglutide salt before it was reconstituted and oh. injected.
1: Mm. Mm. Oh wow! Yeah, um,
5: yeah, and that's uh, and I, that, that's a that's a
6: great question because because um, the way and. Honestly, I, I don't know the answer. I don't know the, the direct answer to that okay. because I know when you have, let's say when you have compounded, semaglutide, when you're making a, a semaglutide from a compound semaglutide or you're getting it from Wagovi, they're using the base form, not the salt form uh, of, of semaglutide. Uh, and you can, get, you can get semaglutide sodium or you can get semaglutide that doesn't have the salt attached to it. And you can make a solution mm. in either way. I don't know, mm. you know when you go back and you start looking at all the studies, did they only use that? Was it a salt at some point? That, I don't know. Fascinating. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense. It's just like you said, it's like like grabbing onto that all salts are bad is like is, is not necessarily a thing. But maybe all salts, if you were having to mix things up, which we've already decided is probably not a best practice. Right. From our experts here, yeah. you know, doing anything on your own, <laughs> um, yeah, is yeah. probably not the best thing. Yeah. So, in, um,
6: in, in, yeah, you know, in general, we talk when, when we're talking about chemistry, salt forms are, are a very important part of, you know, medicine in general. There's a lot of things that sure. are in salt forms that you, um, and it, it can do anything from, you know, the adding the salt form increases uh, or making it a salt form can increase a one drugs absorption uh, and and it may be how that's therapeutic is that it may be a salt form where the base form gets degraded in the body and doesn't, it never gets to the target cells. Um, it can
1: change
6: flavor profiles. It can make it more or less water soluble. So I think from a, you know, a chemical standpoint, and salts aren't salt in a salt forms in itself, aren't bad. Uh, it's just a matter of, um, you know, when you're when you're looking at compounded semaglutide, and and I think where a, a lot of the, I think the bad press started coming from on semaglutide salts was I think some of the thought process early was well, there's semaglutide salt out there, and it, it's okay to compound with, and that gets us gets some of the compounding pharmacies maybe uh, around some of the regulations and that kind of stuff, and I think mm. that's where um, right,
5: and that started totally started wrong. Because I mean, it's it's totally it's a leap that they you'd think someone would make. But if you look at the patents, they for semaglutide, they also include semaglutide salt, semaglutide in a base form, semaglutide in an ester form. So um, wow. it's not any way to like skirt patent protections.
1: Uh, I see what you're saying. I see. Okay, they wouldn't
5: know that because they probably haven't read the the patent yeah. paperwork for semaglutide. Yeah. But when, when whatever you about... what whatever you do do. If you get semaglutide that says not for human consumption, yeah, Yeah. that's probably not something you should be injecting. And
1: what is that, y'all? Where's that coming from? Is that like from the studies they were using on the rats that got the bad things? Like what is it?
4: Yeah. Where does that come from? Who else is gonna consume it? I don't understand. They're still doing research on all of this stuff. There's still chemicals that exist for research use.
6: Yeah. And I and I think uh Oh, wow. And I think in in a simple term, semaglutide and a lot of these other peptides are small molecules. They're pretty easy to synthesize in a lab. Uh, yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of lab companies out there who uh, can form a business uh, that uh, is not regulated by the FDA if they call it yeah. a research grade peptide. Uh, yeah. And it's. Quite frankly, it's it's very easy for them to make, it's very easy for them to test it, it's very easy for yeah. them to show you, hey, it's a hundred or ninety-nine point seven percent semaglutide, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But basically what it comes down to is they figured out that little loophole that they can run a business, right. call it a research grade yeah. peptide, and it doesn't go through the FDA. It doesn't go oh through uh, any other state board regulations. Yeah, you're basically signing off as a patient or as, as a consumer, saying, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm doing my own research," and they have to call oh, it wow. research grade. And then, wow. you, you did run into you know you, you got you got bad apples in every profession. You run into you run into sure, you know, compounding pharmacies or even you know uh, offices, bed uh, spas, uh, you know, physicians whatnot, using the not-for-human-use, the research grade as their um, what they were putting in their compounded semaglutide, basically because it was cheap.
5: Right, because it's going to come cheaper because they don't have to go through all the hoops that a compound pharmacy truly does or that a a factory producing semaglutide for human consumption has to do. And Uh. it's brilliant because think about the way it offloads liability, right? Yeah. So for sure. this isn't this what what Dr. Ripley's saying is this isn't like someone taking a jar of semaglutide for a rat study and mm-hmm. like stealing it and then selling it to a doctor's office. These are okay. companies that are making semaglutide to capitalize on the demand and by putting a label on it that says not for human consumption, they get around Having to be accredited to make semaglutide oh for goodness. human consumption, Gosh. and then if there's any problem that a human being develops from ingesting that semaglutide, they they have automatic protection from liability because they'll say, "Well, we labeled it as not for human consumption, and you consumed it, though anything bad yeah. that happened to you, we can't be held liable." So they they can completely oh shift goodness. all liability. So it's it's a Brilliant way to sort of exactly like you said, get around the system and and exploit yeah. a loophole in the system where they don't have any oversight and they escape all liability. So it's super shady yeah. black market from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, and then you got wow. you also got to think about you know from a safety perspective. You're talking about you're you're
6: you're going to reconstitute it at home, which we've already we already covered that uh, pitfall, yep. and then you're mm-hmm. you're you're trusting the the uh, runaround people to assure that you, you're getting a, st- a sterile product. There's no supervision. There's no oversight to show that it's a sterile yeah. product. Um, so you, you're just you're just starting to compound, or uh, probably a better term, or you're starting to kind of see where a lot of those layers of risk start coming in. Uh, yes. On like those uh,
1: ones you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Rate or
6: reconstituting at home and uh, just a lot of unnecessary risk uh, just to save a few bucks.
1: Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah. I mean, there's so much stuff going out there. This, I think this clears a, a lot of things up. Um, I, I think that's really interesting too, what you said about like looking on the label, like the fact that it should say like the units, I want everybody to remember this going forward because if yeah. you come in my live, I'm going to point you to this episode right. and <laughs> cause you know, mm-hmm. you will that if you come here. Yeah. Cause I think that people don't realize what it is that a lot of this is because nobody tells people like you get this medication, whether your doctor prescribes it for you or you decide to go to a med spa or something like there's not, that's why the, that's why the community is so big and so popular. It's because there's not enough like direct oversight and there's not enough obesity specialists. There's not, you know, enough bariatric doctors. There just aren't like, it's, it's not, it's not really available. And so people are having to get all this information. So I hope that like what we've provided here today would, you know, give people a little more know-how when they're making these decisions. Um, I had one last question and maybe, I think we may have touched on it in like a corner, you know, but we hear a lot of like gym bros using semaglutide peptides. What's the difference in the things we're talking about and peptides, like what equals peptides? Cause I don't know. Yeah.
5: Well, peptide is just, is just a string of amino acids. If okay. I, if I remember my. Uh, I mean, some
4: of these it is a, peptide, is a peptide or is
5: a peptide. All of these fall okay. under the category of yeah insulin is a peptide, right? Okay. Okay. Um, you we could talk about AOD 9604, right? Yeah. That's a peptide. Can we, That's I don't
1: know. What is that? Tell me about yeah. AOD 9604. It's, it's a peptide. <laughs> it's a,
5: that. it's a, it's a peptide. Okay. Um, it's a peptide that was developed by a pharmacy, by a, uh, by a pharmaceutical company, um, about 20 years ago, it's a, you know, insulin is made from pro-insulin, right? Pro-insulin is a peptide and it just means it's a really, it's longer than insulin with other stuff on it. And then the body cleaves it, meaning it divides that peptide into smaller pieces. And sometimes the piece that gets broken off has its own activity. Okay. So yeah, then you have insulin and then you have the thing that came out. Off of the insulin. Um, and AOD9604 is a peptide that is a portion of human growth hormone. So okay. they were doing a lot of research in human growth hormone. Obviously, it was used in the 70s in bodybuilding a lot. And they people theorized that a portion of it also broke down fat. It caused lipolysis. And hmm. they... Specifically, we're looking for a medication as an obesity treatment that would burn fat but not add muscle, you know, which was, yeah. which would be like a reconstituted human growth hormone would do. So how do you just take the part of human growth hormone that burns fat without the building muscle part and then use that for people suffering from obesity? It would be like a magic pill that would cause them to start metabolizing their fat. Mm -hmm. and they developed it and they synthesized it and they tested it on rats and boom it worked like these rats lost 20% of their weight on AOD 9604 and then they rolled it out for early phase human trials and they were able to prove no impact on humans and one of the main reasons is because the rat um, the rat receptor for AOD64 or for the, the lipolysis part of human growth hormone is different in, than the human version of that. And so the impact that it had on rat brain was not replicatable on human. Oh, interesting. And so the company gave up on the medication okay. and they stopped producing it and the patent ran out. Mm -hmm. And so people are able to synthesize this peptide because peptides can be synthesized relatively easy in laboratories. And so they synthesize this peptide and then they capitalize on this one rat study and they tell people it's a magic drug to help you burn fat. And for anyone who claims that it helps burn, build muscle because some people are using (laughs) it in like gym (laughs) bros, like gym bros will swear, swear by it, but it was specifically, Designed to not build muscle. Yeah. Like Ooh, that was part crazy. of its planned design. Is so, it
3: related to the HCG? And,
5: and the, say again?
3: What is it related to? What, I always think of the Jim Bros also talking about the human growth hormone, the HGH. They, well, it's, they G, it's
5: part of, HCG, it's, it's that's part it. of, oh, it's not related to HCG. Okay. No, okay. That's human chorion, chorionotropic hormone. Whew, okay. Human gonadotropic. I'd have to yeah. look it up but it's That's definitely cool. not HGH which is <laughs> not the same hormone.
1: thing good 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 you got it yeah
5: not the same thing um yeah. so and there if you look on the internet you can find the person who developed this compound for the company saying like these are black market distributors they have no relation to the company the company is not making this medication or this mm-hmm. peptide in any form of production right now and he was saying like I feel bad for all these people who are being fooled because like we've done the studies and it doesn't work.
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: Same yeah. goes. The good for the news doctor doctor is doctor it doesn't really Dr. hurt
5: you. It doesn't really what were you hurt
4: saying, you. Dr. Myra. What, um, the same goes for tesamorelin, which is like the HIV lipodystrophy drug, which is oh, supposed yeah? to help with. A lot of people are saying it. It could. It can be mixed in with semaglutide or tirzepatide for weight loss. It's been tested. Yeah. for Loss. It's used for. HIV associated lipodystrophy, which is when HIV patients have an abnormal fat distribution change. Okay. um, And it's supposed to help normalize that fat distribution and it works and is FDA approved for that use case. There is no evidence that anybody's been able to find that it helps independently with weight loss or helping redistribute weight in other people without this HIV associated lipodystrophy. So, okay.
6: Wow, yep. so and it, nice. yeah, and there's a there's a whole cottage industry out there now with, with the gym bros kind of leading the, the charge on where mm. our technology who, into the Who point are the gym
5: Bros, by the way?
6: I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> you don't know the gym bros?
2: <laughs> the gym bros, yeah. Are Wait
5: a minute, they like you're a workout podcast?
3: Oh yeah. I so Do you even lift bro? That's an actual Wait like, a minute. Instagram handle. The gym and, bros. Yeah
5: you're I in new, new york
1: idea. dr rosen you don't know Jim Bros?
5: i mean are they like a chain is this a workout chain i have no idea the group of people who like exactly. gym Bros.
4: yeah yeah oh gym I are gym bros so just much.
5: guys who like to go to the gym yeah
4: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I I love love like,
5: also okay because it sounded to me like, like they were pushing Weedos. a bunch like they were selling <laughs> these compounds like they were selling <laughs> these, <laughs> these <laughs> peptides
4: yeah, as wow. you can see
5: like i'm not a gym bro clearly
3: there's a lot of oh, covert exactly selling right. and, you know, stuff that happens at, at the gyms, too.
6: So Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: I think, well, you know,
6: um, we're, we're, I think from a, from a technology ahead. standpoint, just a, a, a quick a peptide. We're able to make so many of these small ch- two, three, five amino chain peptides that um, mm-hmm. either can or are theorized to trigger certain genes, certain uh Processes whether it's weight gain or fat loss or whatever it is, and I think that's why you're yeah. you're starting to see it blow up more in a lot of your um, your research grade only um, areas. We've, yeah, we've been able to synthesize these much smaller molecules to have a certain target, and they'll take advantage, like Dr. result of one study that was done or one thing that might show this or might show that. And we, okay. can, we can make those things now. You can make them in a lab and you can turn around and sell them for research. grade. And you kind of see uh-huh. all kinds of different uh, peptides, all kinds of different uh, combinations geared toward anything, everything in the gym, in the, gym uh, <laughs> in the gym nowadays, of the gym. just because we, we can we, can, we can make it where we couldn't, we couldn't do it 10 years ago.
1: Yeah. Okay. Wow. No. Oh, so that's why it seems like they're just like coming up out of the world Out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
5: Because yeah. they're pretty it's easy to make now. It. You just need yeah. to buy like a couple fancy lab machines and you can churn them out anywhere.
1: Yeah. Well, that'll be the first thing that any, if someone ever says to me. Well, I don't know. Making peptides is kind of easy. Like we can mix it at home. I'm going to be like, no, that's the whole problem. <laughs> like stop it. Go watch episode 19.
5: Mean, <laughs> sounds like Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad yeah, for like you. the 2020s. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right? It's like a peptide lab in your trailer home. Yeah. Don't do that. I've been don't saying
2: that. that it's, it's, it's giving breaking bad vibes.
5: Yeah, totally for sure.
2: Yeah.
1: Yep. But I think it's important. Like, and we had, so we had Dr. Tumor, um, Dr. Catherine Tumor on one of our, um, episodes, I can't remember which one I ate and, um, and, uh, she mentioned that, um, that it's, that compound pharmacies were so important, um, that, that she And she was very specific about like all of these things that we're talking about, like what, why those things were important, but there is such a big need for them. And so I guess what my question is to, and we need to wrap things up, obviously, um, but for um, for right now with everything with the shortage, and I think that it seems like there's going to be intermittent shortens like this for a while. If someone's taking a mm-hmm. compound medication and then it comes off shortage, um, how long can they expect to continue to keep getting that medication um before yeah. or will they have to like immediately stop? Or if the, the company that's then providing it or the compound pharmacy that's providing it, like how, how what does that future look like for them when that changes? I'll Anyone? jump in.
5: <laughs> I'll jump in. Of course you right. he would. will. Of course he will. <laughs> when in doubt. Um, we don't know is the Kay. short answer. Kay. I think okay. that it's an answer. I got it. You know, I think that we'll have to find out meaning yeah. that meaning that of course you don't have to stop taking the medication right away. Right. Like no one's going to be in your house telling you what you can or can't do. <laughs> right. And I think that compound pharmacies will continue to try and obtain the medication mm-hmm. and to distribute the medication based on prescriptions written for patients. At some point, Nova Nordisk or Eli Lilly will sue these compound mm. pharmacies for patent violation. Okay, and then there will be um, some sort of trial. That—that's my—that's yeah. my prediction. That—that—that okay. that, that this will have to be tested in a court of law in order to be enforced in any real way. Because mm-hmm. if you try and enforce the patent laws when these medications are off shortage, then pharmacies will assert that they're modifying these medications or that doctors need to give these medications in smaller incremental doses, not in the 0.25, 0.5, 0.75, you know, 1.0 aliquots. I have patients who are so sick on a 2.5 Jaro, but they're just right on a 0.8. And so you can't do that without that a compound pharmacy yeah. giving you that opportunities, And so I think eventually it'll be litigated and yeah. that's going to be a whole long road and we'll just yeah. have to wait and see. But for Thanks people who are worried about their medications being taken away in flash, I don't think it's going to happen like that. I don't okay. think you need to stockpile a year worth of meds in your fridge. Okay. You know, that's yeah. my take Dr. on Douglas it.
1: says no. Yeah. <laughs>
3: think
5: okay.
1: That's yeah. how I feel as
6: well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. And, and we, you kind of saw the same thing with, Uh, A lot of the other peptides that kind of blew up on the compounding pharmacy world for a while. And then it took a while for things to kind of wind down. It took uh, a few uh, FDA warning letters and a few FDA whatnots with different compounding pharmacies to to get in and kind of push the uh, to push it in one direction or the other. And, And it's typically a very slow process. Uh, okay. it's not a light switch type thing. usually it's a Wait a, a minute. Lot.
1: Things in the government are slow. That's
6: mad. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> but, yeah. I, yeah. I agree. It, it, it's not, nobody's going to turn the light switch off and you know, everybody quits making it tomorrow and you have go home like Fred Flintstone okay. at five o'clock. It's, uh, it, it'll be, <laughs> okay. uh, it'll be, uh, a, it, it'll, it'll take a while to, to iron itself out.
1: Okay. All okay. right. Well, this was a lovely conversation. Thank you guys for joining yes. us and helping educate our community. We appreciate thank it so you. much. Wow. Any closing just, thoughts just really before started. I exit you? Stage left? Or right? Left. Or left. No, thank you sorry,
4: so much for having me.
1: Yes. Thanks so much for coming, <laughs> everyone. Really thank appreciate it.
5: And this was great. And it was a great opportunity and a great conversation yes. with colleagues and really important people in the community doing important work, yes. educating and advocating. So keep yes. doing what you're doing.
1: Oh, <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about you guys, but that's sweet. Thank you. I know, right? I <laughs> appreciate what you're doing as
0: well. Yes. yes. We're and, so and thankful the, for you.
6: I feel from like... The phar- from, the, from the pharmacist's perspective, I'd say yeah, doing that's doing that's mean it. talk milligrams. <laughs> talk milligrams. From now on. Quit doing it. Talk about your doctor's Talk milligrams.
1: <laughs> that's what I'm going to say every time. It's like, <laughs> Dr. Ripley says. Talk <laughs> milligrams. talk milligrams. Yes. Awesome! All right, thank you guys so much. Thank I hope you all. have a wonderful Ooh. evening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Guys. Bye. Bye. Bye, my Virgo. <laughs> <and laughs> <razor. laughs> oh, that was so great, God, oh, I learned God. so much. Take I learned notes. So I will much. Be listening to
3: this again because I need yeah. to take notes.
1: I think that I can do like a descript, which is like it can awesome. like have everything scripted, yeah, um, and then like edit it accordingly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think I can do that because I think all of the specifically the um the the like I think when we're talking that's about the peptides, but we're talking about like the certifications and like certain and I want to make sure we have this like written out for people
4: mm-hmm. because yeah.
1: there are people that will want to, you know, really geek out on that and like understand. I'm sure we're some of them. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. But um I think it's important. I I got a lot of things clarified, and I know a lot of people in the community um have asked me those questions. So um yeah, I think do you guys
3: want were cleared up
1: a lot. Of the only whenever I
3: hear salt I think of Like what Dr. Rosen said, bath salts. But I'm thinking of like a witch's cauldron, putting in her salt stuff. Like it's just that's the immediate, yeah, yes, yeah, or so, yeah,
1: or I'm thinking like crystals. Like I'm thinking Mm -hmm. like brick and bed situation. Mm -hmm. Like you know, and that's the thing is like we hear this narrative, we hear these spins. and I think Dr. Rosen makes a really good point that like we're hearing certain things from you Know the from the manufacturers, right? Or we're hearing from like you know Eli Lilly, right? And they're saying, Oh, like we don't want to do that. Oh, you know, and right. And I think, but why are we listening to them again? I forget, like, because clearly they have you know yeah. they want to make money and all the things, but I well, thought it was just really make The
2: medication,
1: but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I know, oh, yeah. Right?
3: And then how they shot themselves in the foot by creating this vehicle to,
1: yeah. Put well i love the canal street reference yeah that was a good one
3: reference
1: yeah yes yeah. that little guy right there yeah Look, yeah <laughs> this yes. little
3: thing right here that's, that's the fault it's not I'm diabetes right versus
1: obesity no. <laughs> exactly it's exactly cat cats. it's not diabetes versus obesity it's not it's like dang we've learned pen. it's the stupid pen <laughs> let's go back to one pen Although let's face it, like they had a problem with Ozempic even with one pen. So I think right. it just seems to be and I and that makes sense why they're spending so much time. I think we're seeing in the newest studies of like figuring out how to optimize the oral ones, right? How do we how mm-hmm. do we get you know the optimal doses from like the oral and, and what kind of the that's what Dr. Meyer has done several videos about that recently. Mm-hmm. Um well, they're so easier I think those are good.
2: Produce.
1: Yeah, because they're easier to produce. You don't have to worry about that raw material. Well, you have you don't have to worry about the I don't want to say raw materials because that's stuff in the medication but you don't have to worry about the pens right the actual mm-hmm. you know physical mm-hmm. things so i think i think that's i think that's something to consider going forward and like as long as it worked well as long as it was the same medication and i could tolerate it and it was you know i would i would do it you know? Right. yeah, But yeah, I mean, I think, I hope this helps people feel a little bit more clear and at least they'll know what questions to ask and red flags right. and things to look for. Yeah. Know, if they are in a situation and let's like, and to be clear, like I just want to make sure everybody understands because I, I know how the girls feel about this. Um, mm-hmm. But we want everybody to have access to this medication affordably. Mm-hmm. We would love for everyone to take the retail which is what Janine came with a really way to take the retail, but we know that not everybody can. We know that most people yeah. can't. We know that that is the lack of accessibility and affordability is a really big problem. And I mean, in these, I mean, for sure these like, I don't want to say designer men's that I've heard someone say that recently, these medications, right. Mm-hmm. These very expensive medications, they shouldn't just be for the elite, you know, or the lucky mm-hmm. they shouldn't be, yeah. but we know, but if you are, are able to find access to these medications in a safe way, and you are able to afford them at least a little bit more, then I hope that this does help you because we want everyone to be safe and to be healthy. And as long as you're able to do that, you will always see resources from the plus sides. We will always give you, you can choose which ones you use, but we will always give you resources. Okay. So um, I thought it was a lovely discussion. Even though I have like my new mic, I feel like I could get a little crazy with going in and out like this. It's a good time, you know, like your special effects. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm getting my mic this week because I need a mic.
1: You do need a mic. You need one special for your iPad, right? I'm going to see yes. if
2: I can find a pink one.
1: Oh, cute. Mm-hmm. I'm Barbie sure you pink. can. I'm sure you can, If anybody can find <laughs> a pink back. mic, it's you. You and Delta Barbie. <laughs> yeah, pink and Delta yes. Barbie. Yes, are going to be
2: chilling over here.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to wear head things like me and look silly. That's how it works. Not silly. I oh, think okay. I want one of that. those. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. My hair looks real flat, you know, and like I'm from Georgia. I need some bigger mm-hmm. hair. I'm in like, no. Texas, but I need it. I need it up there, <laughs> you know, the higher uh, uh, hair, the closer to heaven. You know, I need a little puffier. It's like,
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah <but laughs> my you hold back in my today. man bun.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you're, it's not a man bun if you're wearing a cat. Right.
3: It's a man bun. It's, I know, it's right? It's a cat bun. Because I need a haircut so badly. But
1: you know what I was thinking? We well. should do. We should do non-scale victories sometimes when we do our sign-offs. You know, like, hey, what was your yeah. NSV this week? You know, stuff like that. You know, do you guys have any? Because we could do it today if you wanted. Danger.
3: See, I don't that know. One.
1: Oh, okay, I'm listening.
2: I oh. went to Zara this What's weekend. Zara? I don't even know what Zara is. Uh, Zara at Linux Square Mall.
1: Okay. And
2: because the Barbie movie premiered this weekend, yeah. I was able to purchase one of the like Barbie t shirts in a size mm-hmm. medium.
1: <gasps> That's great. That's totally an oh, SV. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I was excited. I'm going to see a picture of that. It needs a picture of it. <laughs> what about cat? Have you had one lately?
3: <laughs> you know, I, I'm pretty sure I have, but it's been kind of a whirlwind this week. It's been quite a of yeah. nut, bit nutty, but um, I'll think of one for next week. Okay. But yeah, so you guys, we've always talked about um, how I don't have a Prince quote.
1: Yes. So I have today. You have a Prince quote it. today. Okay. In, 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 oh. in, in, in lieu of the oh, really? NSV. In
3: lieu what of the it? NSV, I actually thought yes. of this. So it's um, we'll called it a deep track. From Prince, um, however much you want. Um, He did with his then wife, Maite. Okay. Or were they married? I don't know. Anyway, who cares? The lyrics were pretty (laughs) um,
0: awesome.
3: I'm full of random, useless pop culture information, not just about Prince either. Um, You know, sidebar, Kim, when I worked at Career Builder, when you were there, my team, one of my teams that I worked in, they said Kat is the most, the best popular culture referencer ever. So. Yeah, That was my award. So, Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Anyway. All right. <laughs> All right
1: so That's not
3: that sweet. This, <laughs> It is. It, uh, how much can you get if you don't put, excuse me, how much can you get if you just put your mind to it? How yeah. much can you gain if you don't struggle to get through it? How oh. strong is your faith if you don't take time to renew it? Listen, now you've got to make haste. This is the time. You've got to, got to, got to do it. And then, oh, I had to the Prince one. Anyway. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> However much you want. That's fun. That's fun. I love it. However much you want.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I had a, um, an NSV. I had a few NSVs. I'm having a lot since Manjaro. Shocking. I know we're all so shocked. Um, but, but mine was, is a, now I want to blanket statement. My husband has always thought I was fine, but he's never seen me this small ever. Mm-hmm. Like, and all the, we've been together 20 years. He's never seen me this small. And I was just standing in the kitchen wearing like, I mean, basically my clothes, kind of like the ones I was wearing, kind of hanging off me, but I don't care. I'm at home, you know? And he came over and he goes, I just, you're just glowing. I've just never seen oh, you wow. this small and this beautiful. <laughs> and I always thought you were, I mean, he, you know, he's like, he loves me no matter what size I am. Like I've always had to beat, beat his ass off with a stick, but you know, just, it was just like, I could see it in his face. Like how into me he was and that made me and like again he's he's, he loves me in every size but it was very cool in that moment to see that, know that my partner and my bestie right has never seen me as healthy as I am now and he's known me since I was 20 you know so it's like it was a cool thing it was a nice energy I thought that's sweet (laughs) yeah totally that's
4: really sweet that's awesome
1: yes so we won't do classic sign-offs we'll just you know we'll just do that instead of (laughs)
4: instead of our (laughs) quad. i'll but think yeah that's so that's cool yeah you
1: gotta think of you gotta like at least add some up and just throw them in whenever i, know. I don't know just thought it'd be a little more fun since we always do our signups and i'm pretty sure if i look at the stats people are like eh, and they just leave no, Look, <laughs> gotta go gotta go peace out yeah <laughs> that's why I anyway the, the different one yeah <laughs> that's good you're the right, one that right. always shakes it up we're just basic bitches over here like with the sample stuff it's all right. We're learning. We're evolving. We Ooh, aren't basic. Just, I, just, I think it's my, my undiagnosed it, no.
3: ADD in my life. That's all it is. Yes.
1: All right. Well, we will sign off for the night. We will see you guys next week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please comment, share, like all the things. If you have Yay. not subscribed, please do so. All of these things help. Um, please also know that we do have a page where if you want to make a donation to the podcast, you can. Many people have asked for that. There is a PayPal link that are in the in the notes and on the website. And also and we merch. have a merch store. We have a merch you store. You want to get something process in, process in exchange for donating. Yes. That's right. That's why we started that to begin with, because I feel super uncomfortable letting people donate to the podcast. But lots of people were like, please give us the space to do it. We want to do it. And oh, it's very kind. It's very kind. Everyone. Yes, we yes. appreciate it so much. It really does help. Every little bit does help. So yeah, we're so thankful for you, community, and, um, and new members of our community, hopefully that are watching and have been. We've gotten so many on YouTube that have found us yeah. that are new. And the audio podcast is taking off quite a bit as well. It was already pretty was already pretty steady, but it's, it's quite a bit now. I think we're probably at 2000 downloads a week, you know, Ooh, so it's, it's quite, yay. yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Awesome. I mean, I it it grows by a couple hundred a week. It really does. So mm-hmm. it's going really good. And then of course the YouTube grows like every hour, the YouTube is really getting up there. So we're doing good things, right? Sick. Do good things, get good things, help people. That's what we want to do. So help us in every way that you can with, with watching and sharing and engaging All of those things help the plus sides. You don't have to go and buy something if you don't want to. You don't have to donate if you don't want to. But consuming the content Mm and reacting and engaging with the content helps Mm -hmm. us significantly. Mm -hmm. So um, please do that. And if there are commercials, because we finally got some commercials, like just let them play.
0: (laughs) Helps, Yeah. It helps
1: us, you know, like it does. So we're so thankful for everyone and um, thankful, of course, to our doctors. And we will see you guys next week. Asta la pasta. (laughs) Bye.